Welcome to Lou Palumbo's Between the Lines. Problem solving for our future. Lou. Common sense, logic, and reasoning. Lou. The man that can't stand hate and animus. Lou. Stimulating the thought process of America. Lou. Where being right is not political, it's factual. Lou. Providing real solutions in real time. And now, here's your host, Lou Palumbo. My name is Lou Palumbo. This is Between the Lines. You can find us at betweenthelines.tv. Um, I want to start out by saying is that it doesn't seem much has changed. There doesn't seem to be um, any semblance of sanity in this government. Most recently, we've discovered that um, the vice president of the United States took classified documents, some marked as seriously or as high in classification as need to know, which is the highest classification, illegally. It's a criminal act. Um, they're discovering them everywhere. So far, my understanding is about six places. This is not a political discussion. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. You should be concerned about the nation's security and how that translates to its populace. For some reason, there isn't a single person on the Democratic side of this discussion that's particularly raised up about this. This is quite egregious. I listened to... MSNBC, The Morning Joe Show, and they're somehow trying to equate what transpired with Donald Trump, who was an active sitting president, now retired, taking documents, and Joseph Biden taking them as the vice president. I want to say this as plainly and as clearly as I possibly can. The vice president of the United States may not take any classified documents, period. It is a criminal act to take a classified document. It's basically a theft. His motivation into taking them is irrelevant. The manner in which these are being secured is just abhorrent. They cannot draw a parallel between the Trump discussion and the Biden discussion. There is a Secret Service detail at Mar-a-Lago around the clock, seven days a week, period. There is nothing at the garage where his Corvette is being stored, or in the closet at the University of Pennsylvania, or in various locations in his residence in Wilmington. These are not the same discussions we're having. I really am struggling to understand what is going on here, especially since the president, Joseph Biden, was as highly critical as he has been about the reckless and irresponsible manner in which classified information was handled and how he couldn't believe it. I, I almost don't know what to say about this at this point. It's quite disconcerting. I would hope that the Democrat Party would be as concerned with the handling of classified information regarding China and the Ukraine as the Republicans. This shouldn't be a political discussion. This is about our country, guys. This is what's wrong with this country. Whenever someone in one of the political parties steps on himself, that political party somehow rationalizes and explains to the American public why it was okay. We have that going on right now with Biden. What Biden did, he should be criminally prosecuted for. The only problem is you cannot indict a sitting president. He did this as the vice president. I do want to tell you something interesting that I, I did learn. As far as declassification of information, the vice president can declassify information, providing he generated the classification on that information. Now, the, the, the vice president, by my understanding, doesn't classify in information. It's being done by the president. This is a really simple discussion, and it's quite disturbing because of the multiple sets of rules. You know, And we're going to have a gentleman on in a little bit. His name is Tom Fuentes. Tom is a former FBI agent, but more than that, he was an assistant director of the FBI, and he's my generation. And I can, you'll, when we get into this today, you're going to hear how smart this man and this gentleman is. It's overwhelming how, how brilliant he is. You know, in his wheelhouse, I don't know of anybody that's in his league. He's just so smart. It's almost disconcerting how methodical. And, and, and factual he is and, and articulating experiences and what's transpiring in the world 
then and now. You're gonna gonna really be blown away with this discussion. I should have really thought about Tom a long time ago. We met at CNN. We were both doing interviews there. I was actually doing security for CNN as well. But we'll get into that a little bit later. This this issue with the country is very very alarming, and I don't know who dimed off Joe Biden. But I'm gonna go on air and tell you what I've been saying since this started, and you'll appreciate this. No Republican did it, because if the Republican did it, they'd be taking credit. They'd be jumping up and down, exposing Biden for something this egregious. And this is egregious, period. Someone in the Democratic Party was the architect behind this. I guarantee you this. If you go back and you revisit Bernie Sanders during the primaries with Hillary Clinton, Donna Brazil fed Hillary Clinton the questions to the primary debate with Sanders twice, which cost her her job. So we go back to the legitimacy of our elections and questioning it. This is not much different than that. And my instincts tell me that someone within the Democratic Party has decided to eliminate uh, Joe Biden from the equation. And I tell you this, interestingly enough, a day or two before this broke, he was still quite forceful in telling people he was going to run for president at the age of 82 in 2024. I think they harpooned him. And I also think right now they're trying to get him out of that job right now because there's problems here. we got serious problems. I want to mention this real quick about what's going on with this border, which I remind everybody on a weekly basis, both on this show and when I'd been doing this um, live show on uh, WBOB Mondays and Tuesdays, which we voluntarily stepped away from for reasons. It doesn't really matter. But I think it ran about eight or ten months. I told everybody then, too, this border issue. Now we have Colorado's governor, governors in other states, other elected officials. These are Democrats. These are not Republicans. Mayors in cities are up in arms. I don't know how many messages need to get to Washington to understand the scope of this problem in or at the border. That's all I'm going to say to you guys. And Christopher Ray. Your FBI director pointed out threat to our national security. I do want to tell you about Tom. He's currently the president of Fuentes International LLC, a consulting firm based in Washington, D.C. He's a member of the U.S. US State Department's Overseas Security Advisory Council and provides executive-level consulting to law enforcement agencies throughout the world. He's also hosted, he's been on National Geographic, the History Channel, Netflix. He's been everywhere, but most importantly, He's going to provide you some additional information as a follow-up to our first interview because there's so much to talk about. Tom served as an assistant director of the FBI um, for 29 years. During his career, was 11 years as a member of the U.S. Government Senior Executive Service. He directed the Office of Internal Operations. He also served as a member of Interpol's Executive Committee. He was the FBI's executive on-scene commander in Iraq. He's a member of or was a commander of the FBI SWAT team in Chicago, San Francisco, Indianapolis, and tactical co-commander co-commander in the Summer Olympics in Atlanta in 1996. He was also a police officer for six years before he went into the FBI. Tom graduated the FBI's academy in uh, 2007. Um, he, he he's just he has a background, ladies and gentlemen, that I strongly suggest you take some time and look into it. This gentleman is the consummate American law enforcement official. I don't know if there's anyone in his lane as brilliant as this man is. We're going to ask Tom to join us in a moment, and um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show, and to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly, and as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good, and as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, comfort of your home just pick out the items you'd like they'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to another great concept very user-friendly and i'll be honest we use it also it's very effective and they're very very good they're very uh, on point 
Okay, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. And as I promised, we have a gentleman with us today, Tom Fuentes, a former assistant director of the FBI. And if my recollection serves me right, at any given time, there's only three in the United States. I believe it's New York's office, L.A.'s office, and Washington, D.C. Tom, would you correct me if I'm wrong, sir? As an assistant director, uh, at headquarters, there's probably about 15 or 20 divisions, but there's only five or so that actually run investigations. So you have criminal division, national security division, counterterrorism division. I ran international operations division, which meant all FBI work all around the world. We had about 80 offices outside the United States in U.S. embassies and consulates worldwide. And I was also on the board of Interpol. Tom, I want to ask you this. And you and I spoke about this the other day as we have spoken throughout the years. I, I informed everyone how we met at CNN Give us your perspective on the FBI today. What happened? Because I know you're a whole different generation of bureau agent. And unfortunately, there aren't any men like you around today. But give us your insight. You know, unfortunately, Lou, the, uh, the generation of from street agents to mid-level ex- uh, management to senior executives, uh, we left the bureau or retired. And, and the FBI has a mandatory retirement of age 57 for special agents. So if you're an analyst or, you know, file clerk or something else, you can stay into your 60s. But if you're an FBI agent, you must retire at 57. So myself and my generation of FBI agent executives, we all left, in my case, 14 years ago. But all of us in that range of 10, 12, 14 years ago that left, that were forced into retirement, it was a completely different FBI from what we see today. And many of us, you'll see on uh, having done other podcasts or news, Chris Swecker was an assistant director when I was, Kevin Brock was an assistant director, uh, Kevin Turchi. You know, these were all colleagues of mine in the bureau, and I've seen them on the air since, just, just being completely shocked and outraged at where the FBI has gone, particularly in about the last six or seven years, that it's outrageous. What's going on with them today, Tom? I mean, there's Strzok, McCabe, Lisa Page, who's an hard attorney, to Comey. Because, I mean, this know, is, in you my know, day, you know, the nearly 30 years in the FBI, everybody that was ever a subordinate of mine. Tom, we may have lost you, Tom. Could you never have told you to this day who they voted for, what their politics was, uh, any of that. I just could not have told you that. And now you see... You see, uh, like, Strzok sending email messages or, or text messages to his girlfriend, Lisa Page, at the time. We're going to get Trump. We've, we've got an insurance policy. We're going to get him removed. That was outrageous. I've, I've never, ever imagined FBI executives talking like that, much less thinking like that, and taking action upon it to try to get rid of a presidential candidate and then later the president himself. You know, Tom, in our discussions, you weren't shy about saying that, in your opinion, there's quite a number of these individuals today that should be criminally prosecuted. They should be in jail. I mean, you know, you know, you were living in the same country today, and you and I are literally peers. We're watching the, dire- the direction the country's going, and it's disconcerting, and we don't seem to be able to get the brakes on. And there's a credibility issue now, not just with the government, the media, but they've undermined the FBI. And I tell people this because I was a law enforcement agent. I was a police officer. And the thing we always understood about the FBI is that when all else failed, they were there. They would be that standard bearer. Now, you and I both listened to the changing of language by FBI Director Comey and his decision not to prosecute, which is clearly not under his prerogative. What's exactly. so confounding, Tom, is why wasn't that proactively addressed? He stepped out of his lane. Well, who's going to address it? You know, it should have been the president. It should have been the attorney general at the time. And the attorney general is the one that makes the decision. And uh, she chose to recuse herself from that decision because she had a visit with Bill Clinton on an airplane on the tarmac in one of the airports. Well, that's fine. If she recuses herself, then the deputy attorney general, it goes down the chain of command at the Department of Justice. It doesn't revert to the FBI. And what Comey did in that case was basically sabotage. You know, when he says no reasonable prosecutor would take that case, well, once he made that public statement about the case, 
He's right. Nobody would. Nobody could. Because if somebody tried to prosecute Hillary Clinton at that point, then the first witness would be James Comey. And he would say, isn't it true, sir? You didn't uh, recommend prosecution. Yes, that's true. I said that. That'd be the end of the case. So he had no business doing that. And, uh, you know, once once he did it, the damage was done. So what's the, I think what's that going was one on of the, the first current, signs. Tom, what's going on with the current FBI director, Christopher Ray, who about two months ago, I did hear him say two things that I mentioned to you that I believe you were privy to as well. He spoke to the southern border at Mexico, stating this was a threat to our national security, which really should have been a wake-up call for the president and this administration, which lends itself to potential treason here. And he also mentioned that every 12 hours, the FBI was opening up a case regarding China and their activities in this country. What is going on with him? Well, my personal opinion, I think he's an empty suit because he's made a lot of promises. He was going to reform this uh, biased aspect of some of the senior executives in the FBI. He was going to straighten it out. Uh, that wasn't going to happen anymore. He's done nothing. He's done nothing to do that. And by doing that, he's damaged the reputation of the FBI. And that matters. You know, this isn't just a matter of a popularity ca uh, case where you want the FBI to be popular with the public just you know, for the heck of it. But this is not a normal agency within the government. We work worldwide and the ability to recruit sources, informants, people to cooperate, whether it's against organized crime or espionage or terrorism within the United States or around the world, foreign services. It takes uh, an opinion that they trust us and that the FBI is competent and capable of handling that. And some of these issues that have come up I think that's really made it hard for agents around the world to carry on the mission of the FBI. And Tom, you know, I constantly remind people that the vast majority of this agency are men and women that are just, I, I almost want to say they're over-dedicated. They're just driven by their mission. And, and we're starting to see whistleblowers, right, Tom? Within the FBI, they're coming out to expose this lunacy that's just infected the management. I want to limit that to saying the management and, and they've got the whole damn agency reeling. And it's so sad because, as I just mentioned, when all else failed, ladies and gentlemen, we looked to the FBI that they would be that they would hold that standard up. That's the the integrity, the honor and the trustworthiness of this. And this is as, as egregious as it gets in law enforcement. They've undermined the foundation of this nation's security. Guys, you have to understand something. Police officers have geographical areas of employment. The FBI's geographical area of employment, when necessary, is the globe. Am I correct, Tom? That's correct. We go Worldwide. wherever we, you guys go wherever you got to go based on what needs to be carried out. I, I don't want to labor too much more on, on beating up the FBI because everybody's in line to do that. There's got to be an adjustment in the mentality, starting with the attorney general because they, and the president, they appoint the FBI director. But there's so much bias in this administration, Tom, and I don't want to get political or contentious. It serves no purpose, but it happens to be the truth. I want to talk to you about this classified information issue we're having right now with this administration, Tom. Give us a little insight as to what you think is going on here. And I do want to say one thing to you. I personally think that someone within the Democratic Party dropped the boom on Joe Biden. I don't think this was a Republican because if it was, Tom, I think they'd be running around out there taking credit. And I'd like to hear what your, your feelings are on this, this issue with this classified information. And the, and the distinction between what Donald Trump did, who was the president, authorized to take classified information and declassify, and the vice president, who basically committed a crime. Correct me if I'm wrong. Go ahead, Tom. No, absolutely. Absolutely true. Uh, if you start with Donald Trump, he was president of the United States. The president has the authority to declassify anything. And security classifications are rather complicated. So every division in the FBI has full-time security officers that are experts in how the classifications work, what classification should be given to a document or to a report, and, and advise the senior executive. So when I uh, was head of the organized crime program of the Bureau for five years, when I was head of international operations for five five years later, and a division head in Indianapolis. So that's 12 years in a row as a senior executive. And I had security officials on my staff to advise me what to classify, how to classify it, which, uh, which markings you should put on it. And it, when you mark those documents, generally, 
you're the authority on that on that document. You Tom, have the Tom, authority let me stop you. De- Get into some of the classifications so the listener understands what the classifications are on classified documents because they go top secret, need to know. Give us a little background well, on that. they start at the bottom, it would be law enforcement sensitive. So that means you really shouldn't share this with people that aren't in law enforcement or don't need to know it because they're not involved in working with you on a task force or something like that. If you go to top secret, and I should add, Every employee of the FBI, right down to the janitors, have to be cleared top secret. That means they have access throughout the office and can handle classified material, and and many of the reports are classified. So they would have access to to handle it, to file it, to look at it. Um, So that's the very first level. Then there are a number of classifications above that 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 are actually the names and initials of those classifications are classified. So there's above top secret, I'll put it that way. So if you need to know it, what they generally refer to is how the information was received. So if the F- if the information came from another investigation in the FBI, or it came from uh, a foreign law enforcement service, or it came to us from the intelligence community like the CIA or, or uh, at the Pentagon or other overseas uh, agencies, law enforcement or intelligence, then the classifications indicate where that came from and how reliable it might be. So at that point, um, if I classify something myself and put the, you know, have my security officer put the put the stamp on it, and we put on there that, you know, whether it can be disseminated to foreign services or other law enforcement, you know, what the handling of that document should be, and that the originator can declassify it, which would be me. The only other person that could declassify it, President of the United States. He has the authority to declassify anything and everything he chooses. And and there's no mechanism for me. He doesn't have to write on the document. He doesn't have to change the file. He doesn't have to do anything. He can just, if he removes that file from the White House and it gets sent to Mar-a-Lago, it's still unclassified. He declassified it. We're going to take a quick break, Tom. Stay with me a second. Ladies and gentlemen, just stay with me. You're listening to an abundance of information coming from an incredibly reliable source. Tom Fuentes, a former assistant director of the FBI. We're going to be right back. If you're looking for peace of mind, look no further than Global Elite for your safety. Global Elite Security Force is made up of active and former law enforcement agents. Their force has worked at the federal, state, and local level. They are dedicated to providing the most professional personal security and investigative services available in the private sector. With offices nationwide and globally, this footprint gives Global Elite the ability to coordinate protection and security anywhere in the world. Think of Global Elite Protection Services for special events, dignitaries, high-profile net worth individuals, and the entertainment industry security services. Offering drones, weapons detection, shot sporting, chem bio detection, executive protection surveillance, dignitary protection, threat assessment, private investigation, and cyber security. They are the experts in intelligence and private protection services. Go to globalelite.us.com. That's globalelite.us.com to engage global elite. Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast and found the process confusing and overwhelming? Well, let Studio Podcast Suites of Jacksonville make it easy for you. They have everything you need to record, produce, and distribute a professional sounding podcast. Studio Podcast Suites is Jacksonville's only five-star rated professional podcast studio rental and podcast service company. Studio Podcast Suites provides two clean and comfortable state-of-the-art recording suites for both audio and video podcast recording. They offer a complete menu of podcast services, including editing, podcast art, hosting, video, consulting, and more. Studio Podcast Suites. Jacksonville's premier professional podcast studio recording and podcast service company. Book your studio today at studiopodcastsuites.com. That's studiopodcastsuites, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Studio Podcast Suites. Guys, we're right back and we have with us today, as I mentioned earlier, Tom Fuentes, a uh, f- uh, former assistant director of the FBI, 29 years career with the FBI. His responsibilities in the FBI, I'll let him get into at some point because there's so much to cover with Tom. 
it's it's alarming. But I want to go back into the classification discussion that we just left, Tom. So please continue. I apologize for interrupting you, sir. Okay, I was saying that the president is the sole authority in the U.S. government that can declassify anything and everything he chooses. He has the full discretion to do that. And there's no mechanism for him to even indicate on a document that he did it. So the fact that those documents were taken from the White House or the Oval Office or sent to Mar-a-Lago, uh, they were de- that makes them declassified. Now, the vice president and other senior officials in the government have no such authority unless they were the original person that that made the classification. Tom, let me interrupt you for a second, sir, because you just said something incredibly interesting. You said by the mere fact that it removed those documents from the White House to Mar-a-Lago automatically declassified that information. Is that correct, sir? Well, once he had them at the White House like that, he basically, by having them shipped to Mar-a-Lago, and I think GSA probably would have been the movers, but at that point, they're declassified. That that renders them declassified. Now, when they got to Mar-a-Lago, then he had them in, you know, in Mar-a-Lago, which is being protected by the Secret Service, which has alarms, cameras, all of those systems. Um, you know, so at that point, and he had the FBI in, so he wasn't obstructing justice. The FBI and the, uh, the the archive records people had already seen what the documents were. They knew what he had there. Um, he didn't steal them. He declassified them and, and took them. And then he has time to, to determine whether they're going to go to his presidential library or whether he's going to send them uh, straight away to the archives or how that's going to work. But he has a lot of discretion. And we have past presidents that took years to do that. Uh May I interject so that's, something that's here, Tom? That's pretty much his discretion. The vice president has no such authority to have documents in his possession or out of his office or out of the executive offices of the of the government or out of the White House at any time. He and that, does not and that, have that and Tom, authority. correct me if I'm wrong, sir, but and that's tantamount to theft of classified information. Let's not mince words. And there's another observation here, Tom, that I'm coming away with through this discussion that the public has been put upon because, or let's put it this way, this government has preyed upon the ignorance of the American public and, and conveyed the wrong message about what took place with Trump. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Donald Trump fan. I, I personally acknowledge things he did for this country that were good. I think we needed to send him to finishing school, different discussion. But we have completely and intentionally misled the public as to this whole classified information in the possession of this man. And that's that's one point, I think, that comes away with this thing. You know, they're exploiting the ignorance, which is, again, a whole other discussion about the media you and I can get at. There's so much for us to talk about, Tom. I want to continue this conversation, Tom, with you, though. But I want to now get into the vice president. And you're mentioning his prerogative, and I'm talking about criminality. And you and I both know we cannot indict a sitting president. But the bottom line is the public needs to know exactly what took place with the removal of this classified information by the vice president and the slipshod manner in which it was handled. Go ahead, Tom. Well, you can't prosecute in criminal court a sitting president. However, the mechanism to remove him is impeachment. So if depending on what the president's done, the House of Representatives can vote impeachment papers against the president, and then that automatically triggers a trial in the U.S. Senate uh, chaired by the chief justice of the Supreme Court. And that's the mechanism to remove a president while he's president. Now, you noticed with Trump, they they impeached him while he was president. Then they impeached him after presidents, uh, he was out of the presidency, I think as a preemptive, hoping that could keep him from running. They've had state investigations in New York by the attorney general, the uh, Manhattan district attorney's office. Now you have a special prosecutor uh, investigating him. So so he's pretty much been through a series of investigations and still is. Okay, so, Tom, what are the consequences now for Joe Biden? And And I don't think there's a diplomatic way to say that he stole classified information and, and grossly mishandled them because, you know, I have to say one thing. And, and if he took this information and he properly managed it, you know, you could kind of reconcile this somehow. Like maybe he's going to do memoirs. You could have some rationalization attached to this. Leaving them in the garage with your Corvette in boxes or sp- sp- spewing about in your home or in a university 
you know, library. What what exactly are we going to do with this guy? I mean, this is just alarming. And and I know you may have, may have heard or may not have heard the opening. And I know you are intimately familiar with his critique on 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 the news about how he cannot imagine how reckless and irresponsible this was by Donald Trump. What is he saying about himself? No, I think it applies to him. So, you know, you can uh, you can reverse that and put it on him that if Trump was irresponsible and Trump and Trump, what evidence is it that he was irresponsible? You know, he had the authority to have those documents, to be able to review the documents, to declassify the documents so that he could do that and have them at Mar-a-Lago. He was cooperating with the FBI. The only comment during their visit to his uh, his residence, basically, Mar-a-Lago, was, oh, put a lock on that closet door or whatever where you're keeping those documents, which he did. They had to cut that lock off during the search warrant. Um, so, And they were already negotiating with the archives. So everything Trump needed to do, he was doing. And then all of a sudden, you've got this giant FBI raid on the premises, which was outrageous because he was cooperating. There was no basis for that. Plus, the warrant was extremely general. And having overseen search warrants for all my years in the FBI, um, you don't have a general warrant like that. That's why the Fourth Amendment was passed, the Bill of Rights of the Constitution, to prevent the authorities from just saying, oh, we're going to look in the House and look for anything we want and take it, which they did. They took passport. Tom, I apologize for interrupting you, but I've got to ask you this question. The people are listening to you and not how knowledgeable you are about the legality or the appropriateness of going in on this warrant. Weren't the FBI agents who are executing this warrant aware of this as well? And I mean, did any of them push back and go, guys, like, what are you doing here? You understand my question? In other words, you're putting these men and women in a position potentially that they know they know they're going in and doing something that's absolutely illegal or inappropriate. You understand where I am with this question? Friends of mine that were involved in these discussions told me that senior management at the FBI did push back on doing this search warrant raid at Mar-a-Lago, but they were overruled by the director and the attorney general. And then they just went ahead with the the, uh, orders to go ahead and do it. So the team was sent down from Washington to go ahead and take over the premises of Mar-a-Lago and execute the search warrant. Now, I have different opinions of this, and I don't know this from anybody on the inside, but I have different opinions of what they were looking for in there. They knew he had the documents. They knew all the documents that he had. They'd already been in there with him. But I think what the purpose of the exercise was that one of the reports that Trump received before leaving office had to do with the investigation Crossfire Hurricane, more commonly known as Russiagate. And there's all kinds of information that's come out about that investigation. It was improper using the dossier uh, to get FISA, which is Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, wiretaps on Carter Page and then on the administer the uh, campaign of Trump later the presidency. That that was improper, illegal, unconstitutional, and they have the report of that, which shows that the reports from from the. Uh, you know, the prosecutor's office from other offices saying it shouldn't have been done, that that investigation was improper. The media was in on it, the Russia gate, Russia hoax, all of that, which was totally improper. Um, and I think I think that was one of the things I'm guessing that that would have been the most significant document that Trump would have had and the most significant, embarrassing document that the FBI would have wanted to get back and hope that he didn't photocopy any parts of it or anything that to save embarrassment, to save the embarrassment that they conducted an investigation that they shouldn't have. Let me ask you, Tom, in, in reference to this, this episode and the episode at the border where we're just being remissful at the border, and I'm sure you're listening to the news somewhat reluctantly as I am, we're listening to pushback, not from elected Republicans, but elected Democrats, congressmen, mayors at cities, governors, everybody on the planet. At what point do we take up the mantle and address this with this with this presidency? And in addition to that, what should be done to Joe Biden regarding this classified information issue? I mean, Tom, this is just absolutely wild. Not only did he steal these documents, but he just left them for anybody to find. I mean, I can't I can't reconcile this and that they would have the audacity to draw a parallel between him and Trump 
when the Secret Service is securing any former president's residence. It's not just um, Donald Trump's. I, I ran the, um, the golf classic for Mr. and Mrs. Sinatra way back when, and we had to go through a gated community to go to this after party. Gerald Ford was a resident there. Gerald Ford had control of that gate with the Secret Service and his residence. So these are two different discussions, although if you listen to the media today, and I have to say I listen to MSNBC, CNN, and Fox because, you know, my opinion, the cuckoos left the clock with all of them. But they're just having a problem here with responsible reporting. I want to ask you your opinion, sir. What should we be doing with Joe Biden? Is, is this in, should we be going down this road of impeachment and possibly discussions of treason? Well, the road, first of all, with Biden should be investigation. So now you've got a special prosecutor appointed by Garland. Um, you know, is he going to be free to do his job? Are they going to be diligent or is he going to have a bunch of strocks on the investigative team that are going to try to cover up during that investigation? That will remain to be uh, to be seen. However, some of the things that are more obvious, you know, Biden swore an oath to defend the United States, uh, you know, support the Constitution when he was sworn in as president. He hasn't done it with regard to the border, allowing an estimated five million people to illegally cross into the United States, bringing not just the illegals themselves, but bringing drugs, contraband, you know, other material into the United States that shouldn't be. And what's interesting about that is back in 1916, the Mexican bandit and member of the revolution, Pancho Villa, was buying his guns for his people in the United States, in a play, in a shop in Columbus, New Mexico. And he went in there and, and they had paid something like $10,000 U.S. for the next batch of guns that they wanted to purchase. And then when they went back to get the guns, they were told, no, the president has said we can't sell guns anymore. They said, OK, give us back the money. We didn't or he didn't. So Pancho Villa basically <laughs> sent his people into New Mexico, invaded Columbus shot up a number of people and they killed, there was a U.S. fort nearby. So they killed citizens and about a dozen soldiers assigned to that fort. In response to that, uh, Woodrow Wilson essentially declared war on Pancho Villa. So he sent the United States Army from Fort Bliss, Texas, under the command of General Pershing into Mexico. And they chased Pancho Villa into the mountains to try to capture or kill him. And in all the months they were there, they failed to do so. One of the young lieutenants working for Pershing, Pershing in charge of keeping horseshoes on the horses was George Patton, because in those days, cavalry meant horses. In World War II, cavalry was tanks. In Vietnam, cavalry was helicopters. But at that, so at that time, they chased Pancho Villa all over. They had shootouts with Mexican citizens and shot up various towns. I'm talking about the U.S. Army did. And then failing to actually capture him, what happens is Woodrow Wilson decides we're going to go to war in Europe. We're going to join World War I. And he calls Pershing and his people back and then sends them to Europe, sends them to France, where Pershing is placed in charge of the U.S. Army in France in uh, 1918. Now, Pancho Villa is later assassinated by a rival Mexican leader, so he's taken out. And uh, and then uh, November nineteen, uh, November nineteen eighteen, is the armistice in uh, in Europe where World War One basically comes to an end. But the point I'm making is that we have a hundred thousand Americans dying each year from drugs. The chemicals of the drugs are being produced in China. They're shipped to the cartels in Mexico. The cartels in Mexico have their scientists basically put them together to make fentanyl and then put them in different forms so they look like candy or, or other material. And then 100,000 Americans are dying each year from the drug invasion coming in from Mexico on behalf of the cartels and the inability of the Mexican government to prevent it. Now, if you're going to declare war on Pancho Villa for shooting up a gun shop in New Mexico and, and killing about a dozen people altogether, we have 100,000 dying each year because of these cartels. We should be invading there. We should send the military to go after the cartels and bring an end to this. And by Biden not securing the border, this is this is provable that he's not living up to the oath to protect Americans, protect the United States the sovereignty of the uh, country, and uphold the U.S. Constitution. He's not doing that. That is an extreme 
offense that should be, it's an impeachable offense just by itself. Tom, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back to this topic about the border because this is an interesting discussion. And once again, it's being intentionally misportrayed in the media to the American public, the scope and scale and severity. Guys, stay with me. You're listening to this gentleman. It's, as I promised you, this is quite interesting. Um, we're going to take a quick break. going to come right back to you. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show. And to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly. And as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good. And as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, the comfort of your home. Just pick out the items you'd like. They'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to. Another great concept, very user-friendly, and I'll be honest, we use it also. It's very effective, and they're very, very good. They're very uh, on point. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, and as I promised you, there, there is no shortage of incredibly interesting and factual information, and even the opinions are well-based. And Tom, like myself, he qualifies opinions. We're talking about this border and um, recourse with this president. Now, Tom, I, I want to just mention one thing, because now we've watched the Republicans take control of the House of Representatives. And I'm saying I have concern about deal-making. I want to see what they're going to do about addressing this border. Um, I do want to ask you on a new topic about the terrorism aspect of we're living with today. It used to be on the tip of our tongue every day, Tom, for a very long time after 9-11. It's kind of waned, I think you'll agree. Give us some insight on the scope and scale of this problem for our country. Well, the U.S. efforts, you know, following 9-11 to go after terrorists, uh, the invasion of Afghanistan or the people that came in from other countries, al-Qaeda members, ISIS members and that, you know, you had you had basically an effort to keep them from doing another attack on our soil. And then you had the efforts under President Trump where they just stepped up the operations against ISIS, against Al Qaeda affiliates in in uh, Iraq in particular and Afghanistan and pretty in Syria, pretty much reduced them from being able to do another attack here. Now, the problem with the open borders that we have is they could easily infiltrate with terrorists across that border. Uh, they would be gotaways, but they could come in. And then once in the country, they could have contacts, obtain weapons for them, explosives, material, and all of that. So we're extremely vulnerable. And we don't know when that ability of the terrorists to attack us again will rear its ugly head. Right now, the main things we know immediately are the uh, the drugs coming across the border and the illegal uh, people coming across and the human trafficking and and the women and girls that are being raped in the process of being transported here by the cartels. So you have all of this activity going on that's being allowed across the Mexican-U.S. border and no effort to stop it. Now, one of the things, you know, Trump had negotiated, and, and in fact, members of his family that, that participated in the negotiation, Jared Kushner in particular, negotiated with the president of Mexico to have the stay in Mexico policy. So if the people that were coming up from other countries wanted to apply for refugee or asylum status in the U.S., they still had to stay in Mexico while while that was processing. Uh, you know, Biden has done everything he could to eliminate that, to just open it up. They don't have to stay in Mexico. They can come in. And, you know, that was a very successful ability of the Trump administration to negotiate with the president of Mexico, not only to uh, the stay in Mexico policy, but the president of Mexico supplied over 20,000 troops to the border to keep people in Mexico from coming across our border. So all of that was eliminated under Biden. And, and basically, Biden laid out the welcome map. Anybody, uh, map, anybody and everybody could come in. Tom, can I just ask you this, sir? Didn't President Trump also, um, I would say, influence the Mexican government to bolster their southern border to Honduras? 
Didn't they deploy yes, tens absolutely. of thousands of troops there as well to prevent penetration into right. Mexico so that they had to less of a problem mitigating the penetration into our country? Right. You know, you know what's con- so confounding, Tom, and you and I spoke about this the other day. You know, I'm beginning to wonder, is this being done intentionally? Is there so much hatred for this country by a certain demographic therein that they're prepared to destroy this country? Because that's the path we're on. And I'm not saying that to you as a Republican or a Democrat. I'm saying that to you as an American the same way you are. And and I'm saying as, as a concerned person for young people here, I don't know what we're paving for our young people. And I have to remind everybody, if you're 40 years old in America, you may think you're old, but you've got another 50 years of this journey if you're proactive with cardiologists, urologists, or gynecologists. What exactly are we leaving everybody? But I want to go back to this thing with the Congress. So my impression is that the Congress should step on the gas pedal, impeach him, charge him, Mallorca, and Kamala Harris with treason because Mallorca is the Homeland Security guru. Biden is the president. Kamala Harris is the border czar. Go ahead, Tom. Add Merrick Garland to that because he's the one authorizing the activities and weaponizing the Department of Justice and the FBI to pretty much go after conservatives or Republicans only and let Democrats do what they want. Tom, I say this if this were the Republicans, I would be saying the exact same thing. So would I. No, so would I. no one should be allowed to expose this country in the manner in which it is. I mean, that's just simply, you know, in a nutshell. I want to go back to this classified information, if I may, with you, with, with Hillary Clinton. Because um, I had on the podcast a couple of times a former chief of detectives in the New York City Police Department, Bob Boyce. And in conversations with him, um, the New York City Police were investigating, prior to the FBI, this possession of Omar Abedin and subsequently Eric Weiner with classified right. information where he was taking pictures of Mr. Winky and sending him to a 14-year-old. And as Bob explained it to me, they asked for the FBI to come in. And at one point, the FBI directed him to step away. You know, what's going on with this government and this handling of classified information? This is like transcending generations now with the Democrat Party. And I'm not picking on them. I'm just telling the truth. And I go back and say, if we were Republicans, I would be equally as critical. But how, how is it that every time they mishandle classified information, and, and the jury's still out with Biden, we have no consequence? You know, you and I were talking about accountability the other day. That's what we're looking about right, at right now. There's no accountability in this country. No boundaries, no consequences, no accountability. There's nothing. So how much longer are we going to hold up under this? Well, the mechanism in our government for 250 years to do something about these kind of issues is the ballot box. And so in order for these things to change, we're going to have to change who's in power in Washington and throughout the country, state government offices, state governors. And the problem with that is that the original intent and theory of the founding fathers would be that these decisions at the ballot box would be made by an informed public. So what we have now is because of the the uh, lack of informing the public on the part of major media, that's that's what's changed. So most of the country on many of these issues are just ill-informed, not informed, or plain ignorant, or they're going about their lives and they're busy. And I got to admit, in the days when you and I were working, uh, you know, we were working 14 hours a day and seven days a week. We rarely sat down and watched the 6 p.m. evening news. Uh, you know, we didn't have the benefit of all of these cable channels. So so there was no way to be informed. We relied on Walter Cronkite and, and uh, journalists like that in the day to keep us somewhat informed, even though it was on a short basis, 30 minutes a day. But that's gone now. So the major... The, the major networks are distorting the news, withholding the news. You saw what happened with the laptop. Uh, Miranda Devine's reporting from the New York Post just being stymied by Twitter, by uh, Facebook, by the other mainstream, and then the mainstream medias themselves, um, you know, stifling the information. So you have an, a public who are not very informed. Now, if you remember after the 2020 election, when it came out that the uh, the media had withheld the Hunter, uh, lap, Hunter Biden's laptop information. After the election, when Biden won, you had a significant portion of the people that voted for him saying, 
if I knew at the time of election what we now know about the laptop and and the Biden family dealings and all of that, I wouldn't have voted for him. So the damage was done, but they accomplished the goal. That was get Biden elected, get Trump out. That was the main mission, no matter what it took. So stifling the nation's oldest newspaper, New York Post, and other outlets and people that wanted to report on Twitter or Facebook or or other channels had no ability to get the information to the public. And you didn't see a huge effort in a lot of cases of the public even trying to learn, try to know. So when you have a public that's completely oblivious to what's going on, you're not going to be able to correct these issues, frankly. Let me ask you this, Tom. Um, we only we have a short amount of time. And as I promised everyone, there's going to be part two to this. Um, I do want to talk to you about where you think this Hunter Biden laptop is going to go. And clearly, you and I really don't care one iota about what he does in his personal life. If he wants to make a mockery and be indiscreet and display himself in, you know, in embarrassing ways, that's his business. But there's other conversations here regarding his business dealings with the Ukraine, Russia, China, so on and so forth. So um, we're going to take a quick break, Tom, and I want to come right back to this topic of Hunter Biden. And I think we're going to wrap right there today, and then we're going to uh, discuss um, – part two to this conversation, which there's a lot more topics to talk about. Guys, stay with me. As I promised, I think you could see we delivered here an incredibly insightful and brilliant. I, I look at Tom as brilliant. He's my peer, but I, every time I talk to him, I learn. And that's why I love talking to this guy. And I started having conversations with him a few years ago. And you can understand why. I'm going to have to close for today, but I did give you a little bit of insight where we're going with the next episode and discussion with Tom Fuentes, former assistant director of the FBI. We're going to touch into this Hunter Biden laptop, not because we're concerned about his personal life, because I don't care about anybody's personal life. Go do what you want to do and be happy. But there are some other tangential issues about the contents of that laptop and possibly compromising this government and this country. So I want to thank everyone for listening today. I cannot thank you enough, Tom. I am you know, we've done 90 some odd episodes of this. Why I was so slow on the draw in getting a hold of you, I'll never understand. And so interesting, you popped in my head the other day because of another conversation we had regarding a future potential project that you will be intimately involved with. Guys, thank you for joining us. Mr. Fuentes, thank you so much, sir. I, I don't know how to thank you. I mean, except, especially because of how much I learned from you, Tom. It's just um, overwhelming. We're going to see you next week, and it's going to be good again. <laughs>